You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoy of the Denver Gazette, and my good friend, Nick Ferguson. Nick, um, another loss uh, in incredible fashion, too. Uh, it seems like uh, it seems like they, they lose, Nick, every week, sort of in the same way, but in a new way, if that makes sense. Like, it's always a close game, offense can't score, and then something happens where they lose the game. This time... Broncos lose in overtime to the Raiders. Um, they're up 16-13. Raiders go down the field, which we can discuss. You know, the amount of time they were given was a baffling decision to throw the ball uh, on third down before they punted. Uh, they go down, they tie the game, send it to overtime. Three plays into overtime. Devontae Adams gets open for a wide-open touchdown, uh, and the game's over, and the Broncos lose. And they're 3-7. They're and seven. Uh, Nick, let me just ask you this. Um, where's your, where's your mind at with this group, Nick? I, I feel like we have the same conversation every single week, but where's your mind at after, after another just brutal loss? Well, you know where my mind is. We go through the same song and dance, uh, for the past 11 weeks. So nothing has really changed. Uh, this team, uh, is finding ways to lose games that you figure as though they should win. I mean, you mentioned, uh, the lead, they were out 10 to nothing. Same thing happened in the Titans game last week, but they found a way to kind of give that game away as well. But this is where the Broncos are. And it is frustrating as a fan and it's frustrating, I'm sure, for the coaching staff, but more importantly, the players, because you keep thinking that you're right there on the precipice. Every time something great happens for you, then something poor happens for you. Case in point. You think about that drive when the Broncos moved the ball down the field. They hand it off to Melvin Gordon off the right-hand side. The ball is poked out again. Luckily, uh, Johnny on the spot is Quinn Miners. He jumps on the ball. You okay, okay. All right, woo. The, Bron- the Broncos dodge a bullet. Maybe they'll be able to get three points before halftime, knowing as though they're going to get the ball back. But lo and behold, guess what? Usually we say the Chargers are going to charge her. But in this case, the Broncos did Bronco. And that uh, field goal was blocked. So negated any points for the Broncos going into the half. So once again, George, it is rather frustrating to watch this team kind of uh, go through these uh, cycles. And it's almost like you, you obviously you're very encouraged. You want them to win, but it gets to a point where certain things start to happen and you go, gosh, darn it. Here we go again. And that's become pretty much a rallying cry for uh, this 2022 season. Yeah, and you know, I would like to pat myself on the back, Nick, because I actually predicted uh, in the Denver Gazette this week that the game would end in a 16-16 tie, 
which I know it did not, but I was I in the press box, I was, you know, applauding myself, uh, telling everybody that, hey, I predicted this. What? Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, don't don't break your hand patting yourself on the back, George. Don't tell me you were sitting in that press box saying, hey, you know what? I did mention this early in the week. Hopefully it comes true because it makes me George Stradamus, right? That's what you were doing? So you oh, put yeah. the kibosh on the Broncos? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I would also like to add that last week I correctly predicted 17 to 10 the Titans would win. So maybe I'm just a genius. Um, but <laughs> I think I think what that does tell us, though, Nick, is that it's become pretty predictable what's going to happen with this team. And I say that, you know, kind of half kidding, but like also pretty serious in the sense that like we've seen this story unfold a million times. And that's why sitting there with a 16-13 lead in the fourth quarter, we all knew what was coming. We are like, well, the Raiders are going to get a chance. They're going to get to go score. Uh, and I, I just, I can't believe they threw the ball on that third down. And I don't know if it changes the outcome Maybe they still hit the wheel route and they get down there and they, they kick a field goal to send it to overtime. But the thought process to give them the ball back with, I think it was a minute 40 something, maybe a minute 50 something, uh, instead of with about, a, probably, it probably would have been about a minute 10 instead with the ball, um, was just a baffling decision. So uh, just some, some, some odd choices. I did want to ask you though, Nick, uh, what did you think of the offense, especially since? You know, Clint Kubiak took over play calling, which you and I, we've talked about this, uh, you know, previously on this podcast about, hey, if you're going to make a change, it's Clint Kubiak. Uh, and I believe, Nick, you might have been the one that actually pushed for it originally. It was like, give it up to Clint Kubiak. Let him call plays. I can't remember exactly. But what did you think of the job he did? I mean, they, they started off hot, 92-yard drive, touchdown drive. They had not opened a, a game with a touchdown drive in 15 games, almost a full season. Uh, ago that they opened a, a game with a touchdown. What did you think of the job Clint Kubiak did? Uh, you know, at the uh, outset, it was great. I mean, you mentioned moving the ball down the field on the opening drive, especially right after the defense did a great job of shutting down the Raiders. And I was really excited. I'm sure everyone in the stadium was really excited as well. It's like, hey, you know, this is how the offense should operate because it seemed like, for one, it had somewhat of an identity and it had established somewhat of a, a rhythm. And we saw Russell doing a couple of different things that we hadn't really seen him do consistently. And we saw him under center. And when a quarterback is able to go under center, that changes a lot of things because it makes the defense have to play both run and pass because you don't know what it's going to be. Will he hand the ball off or will he pull it out and throw the ball down the field? But also when a quarterback is under center, you can use your cadence, especially at home. You can use your hard count. You can use your quick count. And then you, you could use your solid count. All those things were available to Russell in his offense that we did not see uh, before. So I was really excited about the outlook and the future of the offense moving forward. And the first thing I thought, George, was like, okay, well, two things. One, why didn't this happen earlier in the season? And two, now that cool Clint Kubiak is the OC, we don't know how long. We'll get into that with Nathaniel Hackett's comments. But if you're Justin Outen, how do you feel right now knowing as though Coach Hackett, whether he was forced to or he decided to go with the quarterback coach and Clint Kubiak opposed to you, Justin Outen, the, I guess, titled offensive coordinator? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought, Nick. Um, you know, I, I I even thought I was like, well, what's Justin Alton's job if he's not the one calling the plays? You know, uh, and Nathaniel's not calling the plays either. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how they they juggle that. Um, I would assume Clint's going to keep calling the plays. I mean, look, they didn't score as many points, which is still an issue. And maybe we found out today that that wasn't all Hackett's fault. Uh, but it did seem like they moved the ball a lot better than they had previously. Uh, their drives today, Nick, in the first half, they only had three possessions in the first half. They score a touchdown, they score a field goal, and then they had the one that went all the way down to the goal line and they end up getting the field goal blocked. The second half, though, Nick, uh, it was punt, punt, field goal, punt, field goal, punt, end of game. Um, so, you know, not as good in the second half. Nathaniel Hackett was asked about that after the game and also kind of the job that Clint Kubiak did. We have the audio right here from Broncos.com. Yeah, we need to uh, keep looking at all the different things that we're doing. Uh, we need to be sure that we're moving the chain, scoring points, finishing drives. Had a chance there at the end of that first half to get some more points, and we came away with nothing. Uh, it's unacceptable. You know, we, we can't do that. we got to score a touchdown. I mean, at least get the field goal, and we didn't come away with either. So uh, that's frustrating. And uh, we got to keep on uh, keep on working to get Cortland the ball, all the different things that we can do, get Latavius going. I thought he had a pretty nice game. Uh, so uh, got to find ways to score points. Again, Nick, um, Hackett continues to just say things that, that I mean, I I just don't think he has answers, right? Like he continues to say things that's like, yeah, we got to score more points. It's like, yeah, dude, we know. <laughs> you know, you need to score more points. Um, I, I think, Nick, maybe one of the most disappointing, you know, parts of the game, though, and you never want to say they, they lose a game because of one play, and, and they didn't lose, you know, because of this particular play, but you look back on you're like, man, if they would have scored there – uh, this game could have been totally different. And that's the Melvin Gordon fumble. And Nick, we've talked about it on here a lot. That continues to be an issue with Melvin. You know, after the game, Melvin was pretty upset in the locker room, talked with the media, uh, you know, was very professional about it. But just what went through your head when you saw uh, that happen yet again? The first thing I thought about was Melvin the player. See, I, I didn't think about what most fans thought about. Gosh darn it, Melvin, go and drop the ball again. I immediately thought about Melvin and what he was going to go through mentally and was the fact that would he be able to fight through that? Well, the team now said, okay, well, Chase Edmonds is down. We came in the game with two backs, but now we're going to lean heavily on Latavius Murray like they, they've done before in the past. And then now you Melvin Gordon is left to stand there on the sideline and be there with his thoughts. And it is or it can be a troubling thing if you're a player and you have uh, someone of a slump or you have certain struggles to just stand there during a game, but most importantly being away from the game and you now have to replay that over and over in your mind. And that's kind of been the type of season for Melvin thus far. So yeah, I'm sure he was definitely emotional. He was the, the, the little deflated because once that happened, you saw a lot of his carries go down. Now 
they had to still rely on him because they could not run Latavius Murray into the ground because, once again, the Chase Edmonds injury. But, yeah, I mean, for me, it was a big gasp of air. Like, oh, man, just when I thought Melvin was coming around, here's something else that's going to kick him while he's down, and we just have to wait to see how he responds to this. But more importantly, what does the team do with this information moving forward? And yet, we don't know the severity of uh, Chase Edmonds' injury, but if it's something that's going to keep him out a couple of weeks, the team may be forced to keep Melvin Gordon in action. I can tell you Chase Edmonds was Chase Edmonds was on crutches after the game uh, in the locker room, which is probably not a great sign, but we'll have to see exactly what, what the injury is. Latavius Murray also got a little banged up towards the end. I think he was limping a little bit. I think he was fine, but he was limping a little bit towards the end of the game. So everybody's out there, you know, saying, Hey, they got to cut Melvin tomorrow. You don't have any other running backs. Uh, so you can't really do that. Um, and also I thought he came back and, you know, he made the big catch on the sideline uh, on one of those drives. I think they, that was to get the field goal in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, and, Again, it's just a tough. It's tough, man, because they're in a they're in a tough spot. They can't really get rid of him, uh, and and you know people aren't going to like to hear this, but you do kind of feel bad for Melvin. Yeah, but he he's got he's just got to figure out to hold on to that ball. But again, that's not why they ended up losing the game. Um, Nick, what did you just think of the offense stalling in the second half? We'll get to the defense in a bit uh, and kind of what happened towards the end of the game. But before we take a break here, Nick. What did you think stopped the offense from? Because because they were moving the ball in the first half. I mean, that was one of the better offensive first, first halves that they, they they had had. I think 192 yards in the first half uh, of, of, of total offense. Russell Wilson looked great. He was making throws that he hadn't been making all year. Uh, what, what happened in the second half that, that made them stall? Well, it's kind of slow motion for this offense. It's uh, death by a thousand cuts, if you will. Because, you know, as a play caller, you try to design plays. And we saw, you know, Clint Kubiak try to utilize the guys that were available to him and Greg Dosage. Kendall Hinton was having a uh, decent game. And Corlin Sutton, a guy who I thought needed to step up in this game, I mean, that back shoulder shoulder throw that he just kind of caught over his shoulder, those are the type of catches that we expected from a guy who's the Broncos' number one wide receiver. And what happened in that second half, it was execution, right? I, I look at these games that the Broncos have lost as a combination of play calling and execution. Once again, I still give uh, Clint Kubiak some credit, knowing as though he was coming in, still trying to use the same verbiage that they have learned thus far to make sure that he keeps the offense and rust and some type of flow of a rhythm. But it just those types of things. And, you know, the Broncos tried to run the ball. It wasn't a lot of explosive plays but they tried to be efficient and consistent with running the ball. They were never able to establish it in the same way that the Raiders were. And for me, that was something that really took a little air out of the room at at the stadium, not being able to stabilize that. Because when you do that, once again, understanding how it helped the Raiders moving forward, it, it, it allows you to throw the ball down the field because now those linebackers are definitely going to step up. Case in point, the play in, in the fourth quarter, when you look at Foster Monroe, the pass that he caught, I believe, in overtime, and Alex Singleton was in coverage. It, it, it's, it's similar to a play where the Broncos took advantage with their tight end versus the Texans uh, linebacker who decided to step up 
and not really anticipate the speed of Eric Salber running past him. The same thing happened to uh, Alex Singleton. And I'm not trying to single him out and saying, well, that particular play ruined the game or killed the game for the Broncos. It's just another situation or example, George, of how all it takes for one play here by one guy, another play by another guy, either on either side of the ball, and the team find themselves in a tight situation. So that's basically kind of what happened with the Broncos, not just in overtime, but an entire game. Yeah, and it just that that Nick honestly has been a theme for the season, right? Is you know, you see these teams winning these close games against the Broncos, and, and it's often because they make just a couple more big plays, and the Broncos just can't seem to get those. So uh, we're going to dive into some of that, Nick. I want, I want to get into some of the big plays, especially towards the end of the game. Uh, but let's take a quick break, and then we'll dive into those. <laughs> 